SCP-7777 Heptophobia The SCP Foundation has effectively a countless amount of problems to worry about around the world. Anomalies can pop up anywhere, at any time, and the Foundation has to constantly remain vigilant from threats. Unfortunately, like any organization, they also have problems from within, but much like their exterior problems, their interior problems can hardly be considered normal. SCP-7777 takes a look at a situation involving a series of internal crimes involving all levels of Foundation personnel. One question only leads to another, and before long the situation spills out into full-blown conspiracy. Let's take a look. SCP-7777 is described as an anomalous phenomenon affecting random number generators, utilized by the SCP Foundation. This phenomenon can manifest in any random number generator that both continuously creates output and is not, at the time of manifestation, being monitored directly by a sapient individual. It's also noted that the phenomenon affects both pseudo-random generators and true random generators, meaning those that base randomness on a physical process rather than a computer algorithm. When an RNG comes under the phenomenon's effects, it will randomly begin to produce a series of sevens interspersed with zeros at seemingly random intervals. After such an event concludes, the RNG will continue to output as normal, with no detectable differences. SCP-7777 was initially discovered on January 28th, 2018, following the presumed malfunction of a CK-class scenario detector. The device's internal pseudo-random number generator had deviated significantly from its synchronized counterpart, indicating a potential CK-class scenario had occurred, meaning a restructuring of reality. When technician Davis Silverstein checked the random number generator output of the detector, he discovered an abnormal pattern consisting entirely of sevens and zeros, and reported it to a colleague. Curiously, the colleague he reported it to is listed only as Dr. Expunged. Dr. Expunged quickly informed the other members of his research team, including a member of the Department of Analytics, a senior researcher whose name has also been expunged. With assistance from Davis, the three were able to copy the abnormally generated numbers onto a separate drive, forwarding the info to the Department of Analytics. The phenomenon was classified and catalogued provisionally as EE-770707, indicating a minor extra-normal event. Faced with a number of urgent assignments, the department relegated it to low priority, and as a result, the phenomenon went unresearched for three weeks, until Dr. Expunged requested a follow-up. The senior researcher was off-site, so the assignment was given to a junior researcher, also expunged from the document. 
After attempting various methods of analysis on the data, eventually the junior researcher determined that the number of sevens between each zero in the pattern never exceeded 255. Under the assumption the numbers may be referring to the value of bytes, they translated the values into ASCII characters. This resulted in the following message. Site Director Franklin Garnett murdered Dr. Teresa Booth on March 11, 2003 by replacing her medication with compound Y909 and framing it as amnestic overdose. Well, that certainly changed course pretty quickly, as it seems that we're now looking into an internal murder case. Upon decoding the message, the junior researcher panicked and emailed the Department of Analytics Ethics Committee liaison, Flora Marinos. After several hours, Marinos read the email and immediately reported it to the Ethics Committee, who launched an investigation into Site 85 director Franklin Garnett, as Dr. Teresa Booth was indeed confirmed to have died from a severe Class C amnestic overdose on March 11, 2003. The Records and Information Security Administration was tasked with locating the exact origin of the message. The official explanation for Teresa's death at the time was that she had suffered from a traumatic loss of a sibling one month prior, and unsuccessfully attempted to use Class C amnestics to erase the memories of how they died. However, review of archived security footage revealed that approximately three minutes of footage were removed from various tapes, including the hallway directly outside of her living quarters, on the day prior to her death. With this knowledge, the Ethics Committee suspended Director Garnett's clearance provisionally as the investigation continued, but Garnett noticed the change shortly after and began to flee the site, unsuccessfully. When detained, he confessed that he had indeed murdered Teresa, in order to prevent her coming forward to the Ethics Committee with embezzlement charges against him. In light of this, all of Garnet's pay was removed from his Foundation accounts, he was amnesticized, and removed from the Foundation permanently. I'm not sure if that really brings justice for her murder, but the case is solved except for the small matter of where that message came from, and a new issue. Since this event, over 37 new instances of SCP-7777 have appeared amongst Foundation random number generators. We're given an abridged log of a number of these instances, with the first follow-up occurring a week after the initial message was decoded. This instance appeared in a pseudo-random number generator being run alongside SCP-1214, a possibly sapient RNG, during tests by the Department of Analytics to determine the differentiation between 1214 and standard RNGs. The code was translated into a message reading, Senior researcher Jackson Bell sexually assaulted a female researcher during the Site 18 2016 Christmas party. Sure enough, the Ethics Committee determined that this did indeed happen, but due to the senior researcher's position, no one had reported the incident. Bell denied the incident had occurred, even after recorded footage came to light, 
but he has since been barred permanently from Foundation community events and is undergoing long-term correctional therapy with a pay reduction. The victim has been identified and compensated. Another instance, from a few weeks later, appeared in a similar manner to the first one, in a CK-class scenario detector. Technician Davis Silverstein was present, who detected and decoded the message. It read, Containment specialist Sophia Rosario falsified her credentials and plagiarized stolen designs from her co-workers. What started as informing on a murder now seems to be progressing into uncovering all sorts of crimes and infractions. Evidence at first had suggested that Rosario was fully knowledgeable and capable of containment specialization, and none of her former co-workers claimed that their designs had been stolen. However, at Liaison Marinos's insistence, further investigation was pursued and it was discovered that various minor inconsistencies existed within Rosario's identification documents. Rosario was interrogated, during which she began to hyperventilate and convulse, before spontaneously collapsing. Before medics could arrive, she was confirmed dead, and an autopsy revealed that she had consumed a cyanide pill. Her true identity has yet to be confirmed, and since her death, three containment specialists had come forward to corroborate that she had stolen designs from them and passed them off as her own. The following two instances of 7777 have been expunged from the record by order of the O5 Council, and the next one occurred on May 12, 2018. It was generated during a production of a number for the consumption of SCP-5789, the set of all non-existent numbers that consumes any number associated with it. The message from this instance is translated as, Accountant Gregory Kaplan allowed various monetary crimes to occur due to negligence in bookkeeping important projects. Kaplan admitted to negligence in their duties, claiming that they didn't intend any ill will and merely had higher priorities. After some discussion, they agreed to forward all their communications and financial records to the Ethics Committee, and transfer their current responsibilities to other accounting personnel. Before they were reassigned to another job, however, 058 requested to transfer Kaplan themselves, which was approved. Kaplan's current location and occupation within the Foundation are not known. Curious, and it's likely there's more going on here than at first glance. More instances occurred, with the 13th being discovered by a doctor who claimed they had been running an RNG on their personal laptop for over three months, until an SCP-7777 instance occurred. The translated message reads, Site Director Thomas Graham vandalized SCP-4051's containment chamber with the phrase, Dumb Anomaly Idiot, to intentionally provoke him into breaching. Security footage of SCP-4051's containment chamber revealed that this did occur, 
and investigations revealed that Graham had ordered at least two dozen unethical and intentionally cruel experiments against SCP-4051. Further investigations revealed that this abusive behavior not only extended to SCP-4051, but other anomalies and researchers as well. Further analysis of the prior eight years Graham had been in charge of Site-17 showed that he had committed numerous crimes against the Foundation, including homicide, assault, embezzlement, bribery, extortion, verbal and physical abuse, perjury, gross misuse of amnestics, and conspiracy, among other violations of Foundation Code of Conduct. When faced with the charges, Graham denied all of them, and demanded O5 Council intervention, which was promptly denied. He then attempted to assault a station security officer, who quickly detained him. He has since been removed from his position, and assigned permanent D-Class status. Additionally, Site-17 has been placed under direct ethics committee control, and all affected anomalies and researchers have been provided with compensation and given optional free use of on-site parapsychological counseling. Despite the well-documented existence of all of Graham's crimes, no on-site personnel had come forward with complaints beyond the first four years of his tenure as site director, including post-demotion. It's unclear why SCP-7777 highlighted this specific crime. We're still no closer to understanding where these messages are coming from, but they continue to keep on coming. During a New Year's celebration at Site-42, a raffle was held using a ticket system. Midway through the party, various participants noticed that all of the raffle codes were comprised solely of sevens and zeros. When an ethics committee liaison at the party discovered this, they halted distribution of the tickets and forwarded all of them to the ethics committee proper. Although some were missing, context clues allowed for the following message to be translated. Dr. Theron Sherman attacked junior researcher Roger Radcliffe on September 12, 2018, in Site-42's break room. Radcliffe, when asked, did corroborate this claim, but both physical and written records showed that Sherman was not present in Site-42 when the supposed attack occurred. As a result, no further action was taken despite Radcliffe's protests, although another instance of 7777 appeared a few days later. This one appeared in a CSD, discovered by a junior technician who, were informed, had Davis Silverstein as a senior advisor before she was transferred to a separate site. The translated message for this one reads, Junior researcher Roger Radcliffe attempted to frame Dr. Theron Sherman using a falsified SCP-7777 instance. Although Radcliffe denied the charge, investigation determined that he had entered managerial spaces and replaced the raffle tickets with his own. Radcliffe was placed on leave for three months, and it's noted that this is the first instance where SCP-7777 referenced itself in its accusations, 
showcasing a degree of self-awareness. More entries were expunged by the O5 Council, and were given the 26th instance of SCP-7777 manifesting. Here, the astronomy department discovered abnormal fluctuations in the luminosity of the Pleiades star cluster. Although not originally linked to 7777, analysis of the phenomena by researchers accidentally uncovered the corresponding instance's message, which was forwarded to the ethics committee. The message reads, Thaumaturgist Diana Ribeiro cast thaumaturgic spells on various Department of Tactical Theology researchers in an attempt to send them to the Abrahamic hell when they died. Liaison Marinos went to Ribeiro to inquire about the validity of the claim, to which Ribeiro confirmed that she had indeed been casting spells to send fellow DOTT members to hell when they died. After intense deliberation though, it was determined that the success of these spells could not be validated, and nothing in the ethics committee guidelines explicitly disallowed spells that did no physical or mental harm. As a result, Ribeiro was not charged with any violations, and was allowed to continue working at the Department of Tactical Theology. Other observatories focused on the Pleiades cluster did not find any abnormal fluctuations in their luminosity. After some more expunged entries, another instance appeared in a CSD, discovered by technician Davis Silverstein. The message translates to, Director Calvin Bold murdered a six-month-old baby by kicking it into a wall. The incident refers to SCP-6469, a child that appeared spontaneously before disasters and often underwent physiological changes such as growing horns, speaking in various languages, or emitting blood from its orifices. It's unclear if the presence of SCP-6469 caused the subsequent disasters or not. The child appeared spontaneously in Director Bold's office one night and began speaking in Italian, causing Bold to panic and kick it into a wall, killing it instantly. As the child posed a threat to the existence of the Foundation and the Veil, the actions taken by Bold have been deemed appropriate for the circumstances, and charges were subsequently dropped. However. The following instance of 7777, also detected by Silverstein in a CSD, reads, Ethics Committee member Jeremiah Samarian intentionally fabricated the SCP-6469 anomaly to protect Director Calvin Bold. Samarian complied with the subsequent Ethics Committee investigation, and revealed that he did indeed fabricate the 6469 anomaly to prevent Bold's demotion after unintentionally killing a fellow researcher's child, mistaking it for an anomaly. He became aware of this event after Bold messaged him in a panic after the murder. Samarian also embezzled funds to pay the father of the child, informing them in the process that it was not a bribe and that they can press charges if they wish. 
The researcher did not bring further charges to the ethics committee prior to the 7777 message, nor when they were specifically asked about it. Samarian was discharged from the ethics committee after investigation, but has not been removed from foundation employment. A few months later, however, Samarian went missing, and Reza records appear to have been altered during this time from an unknown outside source. There's definitely something pretty fishy going on here, from inside the foundation, made all the more suspicious by more entries expunged from the record by order of the O5 Council. The most recent 7777 instance found by the foundation is from May 16th, 2021, and is believed to have initially manifested in a CSD. Technician Davis Silverstein had informed Liaison Marinos of it, but was unable to deliver the instance to them. On that day, Site 14 came under attack by a hostile group of interest, believed to be the Chaos Insurgency. The site's security was quickly overwhelmed, but thanks to the unexpected presence of MTFs in the area, the site was retaken relatively quickly. During the retaking of the site, an incident occurred in one of the employee break rooms, and were given a log of the footage. The break room is under lockdown, and all of the researchers are taking shelter under various objects, such as tables or chairs. Alarms are audibly blaring, and the room is darkened to reduce visibility. A loud, banging noise can be heard outside of one of the doors, growing louder and more intense as the door begins rattling. The personnel within the rooms begin to whisper with increased panic. The door then breaks in, and a Chaos Insurgency agent enters, causing one researcher to begin screaming. The agent raises their firearm at the researchers, and demands that they line up against the back wall. All of the personnel comply, and the agent approaches one of them, demanding to know their full name. The researcher complies, and the agent continues down the line, asking each of their names. Eventually, they reach technician Davis Silverstein, and after hearing his name, the agent immediately shoots Silverstein repeatedly, causing the other personnel to flee. The agent ignores them and continues to fire into Silverstein's corpse, until the entire magazine is emptied. The agent then attempts to leave, but is interrupted by an MTF agent who attacks and apprehends them. A couple of minutes later, the Chaos Insurgent begins to hyperventilate and shake. Suspecting self-poisoning, the agent produces SCP-427, a locket derived from SCP-500 capable of rapid healing, and applies it to the Insurgent to stabilize them. Nearly all Chaos Insurgency elements either fled the site or were killed in action. The captured agent was placed into forced long-term medical care and was restrained heavily to prevent further suicide attempts. A month later, the Ethics Committee took possession of the Chaos Insurgent, secretly, as it was expressly forbidden for Ethics Committee personnel to place themselves into proximity of a hostile force. 
For the following three weeks, they attempted to interrogate the agent, but were incapable of soliciting useful information. A breakthrough was discovered, however, when the genetic material of the agent returned a match in the Ethics Committee database of Foundation employees, a near-identical match to MTF Alpha-1 agent Justin Buell, who was still under Foundation service. Further examination of archived Chaos Insurgency agent genetic data revealed further matches with current and former members of MTF Alpha-1. It's believed that this was not discovered earlier due to the aforementioned policy, the Ethics Committee solely holding the employment information of all Foundation personnel, and a lack of incentives to compare CI agents to Foundation personnel. Alpha-1, as a reminder, are among the best and brightest of the Foundation, the MTF that answers directly to the O5 Council. During this time, Reza had taken possession of Technician Silverstein's belongings, including his personal laptop, which contained the latest SCP-7777 instance. The message was decoded, and reads, O5-6 is plotting to murder Technician Davis Silverstein. So, we have a large number of instances of SCP-7777 that have been specifically expunged from the record by order of the O5 Council. Some sort of situation involving Chaos Insurgency members also being members of the O5's personal MTF and a message foreshadowing Silverstein's death, apparently orchestrated by O5-6. Due to all of this, Reza colluded with the Ethics Committee to intercept an upcoming O5 Council session in Site-1, and hold the Overseers for questioning. On July 17th, 2021, MTF Omega-1 breached the site and attempted to detain the 13 Overseers, capturing seven of them. Interrogation revealed that the O5 Council had been employing Alpha-1 to capture SCPs for their personal benefit, which would have been forbidden by the Ethics Committee. The remaining six Overseer's locations are not known. Since July 21st, the Ethics Committee has taken direct control of the SCP Foundation, until the full extent of the damage done to the Foundation can be assessed and repaired. We're given an addendum written by Reza director Maria Jones, in which she says that this is the way it's been ever since. The above file is a mess of conflicting redactions, misleading information, and version conflict. It's the general mission of Reza to attempt to resolve these issues and present a cohesive, and streamlined document for future onboarding of researchers. They also ensure all proper parties are informed of relevant information, and ensure breaches of security are handled and dealt with. This file is to remain a permanent exception to their mission. A lot of things haven't sat right with her since they first started looking into SCP-7777. Why are some staff consistently involved in the discovery of instances? Why did O5-6 attempt to assassinate a random, lowly technician? 
Why did no one report any of the crimes before the anomaly announced them? And why are so many reluctant to speak up even after? Everything fell into place after they confiscated that laptop, though. And after examining the evidence, there's only one reasonable conclusion she can arrive at. SCP-7777 does not exist. SCP-7777 was, in actuality, a coordinated effort between Silverstein, Marinos, and various other faculty members whose names she has expunged from the record, to create a platform to whistleblow the Foundation's corruption. Using various tactics, they've successfully managed to fool a majority of the Foundation's leadership, including the Ethics Committee and Reza, into believing that SCP-7777 is a real, anomalous phenomena which cannot be controlled. Only recently have some of them caught on, including 056, who still hasn't been caught and tried to uproot the project at its source, completely unaware his plan had already been compromised and used to trigger his own downfall. Nonetheless, the Ethics Committee is completely in the dark about SCP-7777's true nature, and she intends to keep it that way. She has reason to suspect that their intentions aren't as pure as they'd like everyone to believe. Most of the data they have on what occurred has been from the Ethics Committee's reports, and they conveniently paint a pretty picture of the Ethics Committee overthrowing a corrupt O5 Council. A whistleblowing service wouldn't be necessary to begin with, however, if the Ethics Committee was actually fighting corruption. She doesn't think that they're getting the full story here. Between the missing employees, the coincidental possession of SCP-427, and that one conspicuous database infiltration. It's quite possible that the Ethics Committee is playing their own game, with the O5 Council now gone. She hasn't a clue what they intend to do with the Foundation as the sole executive power, but she doubts that it's remotely good. Fortunately, SCP-7777 has given them a weighted, seven-sided die, and she intends to leverage it with all of the power Reza can muster. While the Ethics Committee's been creating their conspiracy, they've been creating their own, and she thinks that it's time to excise the bad apples from the rotten bunch. Alright, so a few personnel at the Foundation, notably Junior Technician Davis Silverstein and Ethics Committee Liaison Flora Marinos, as well as a few others, became aware of some rather corrupt practices by the upper echelon of the Foundation, including the O5 Council. Rather than trying to whistleblow on these activities directly to the Ethics Committee, they created a fake SCP-7777, which would seem to be mysteriously sending messages about corruption in the Foundation. This was all well and good for a while, and at least brought some sort of justice, but the O5 Council continued to try and sweep the whole thing under the rug, unaware that it was actually a fake SCP. Eventually, O5-6 caught on, and used MTF-Alpha-1, masquerading as Chaos Insurgency agents, to assassinate Silverstein. 
Unfortunately for him, Silverstein had enough evidence on his laptop to blow the whole thing open, effectively closing down the O5 Council and leaving the Ethics Committee to run things. This is a rather convenient change of events for the committee, and Maria Jones suspects that there's more going on with them as well. Sometimes the Foundation, specifically the O5 Council, are portrayed as a constant source of vigilance in the world, a bastion of normalcy fighting against the constant tide of anomalies, with some mistakes here and there. Other times, though, they are portrayed as far more human, a realistic, albeit pessimistic, portrayal of a small group of people that have ascended to an extremely important and powerful position, and they sometimes abuse that power. The article seems to imply that the heads of the Ethics Committee aren't going to be much better, trading one corrupt group for another, but it's impressive enough that some personnel at the Foundation were willing to literally risk their lives to expose the Council's crimes. It's certainly possible that others, including Maria Jones, will do the same for whichever group may run the place. As the saying goes, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph in the world is that good men do nothing.